in a world gone mad. Only rationality and common sense can save it. It's Andrew and Jerry Save the World with your hosts, Andrew Langer and Jerry Rogers. And now, here's Andrew and Jerry. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Andrew and Jerry Save the World, episode six. Andrew and Jerry save free speech. I am Andrew Langer, and with me, as always, is my co-host Jerry. Hello, Andrew. <laughs> Hi, Jerry Rogers here. Jerry Rogers, who I'm also- not sure how successful we've been at saving the world. The world still seems to be uh, going in the wrong direction. Well, Jerry, but we're saving <laughs> individual issues yes. at a time, right? And yes. so, listen, I'll tell you something. You say that though, right? But we had a conversation last week uh, with a Tony Schaefer yes. about Ukraine, and and what happens? Uh, the Biden administration changes its policy towards Ukraine. Now, there's a lot of debate and discussion over what they're doing, but but certainly. Um, uh, you can say that uh, there, listen, I'm not saying that uh, causation uh, or correlation equals causation, but all I do know is we had a conversation well, last week and, and then, then this then is true. Uh, Tony Schaefer, to remind our, our listeners, Tony Schaefer said he predicted that Russia will somehow in some manner invade Ukraine yes. within two weeks. Yes. And then uh, shortly thereafter, the next day, uh, President Joe Biden invited russia to invade yeah it was uh, a couple of days, right it was a couple of days later and 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 let you know to, to and I, sh- I should pull up the audio but i'm not going to do that right now uh the president talked about the president gave that 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 winding long press conference um and and you know was asked about responses to russia in ukraine and he said well it depends it depends on if it's a minor incursion or something right. else which is a whole new doctrine. And, you know, actually, Jerry, and, and, and then and then even when the president tried to fix it himself, right, his aides yeah. went out, Jen Psaki and others went out trying to correct uh, what he said. But then he, uh, a couple days thereafter, uh, talked about how uh, if military units uh, cross the border and uh, and uh, the former secretary of state uh, under the Trump administration, um, yeah. What's his name again? Blinken. No, not, not Blinken. Blinken. No, Blinken's the current guy. Uh, Pompeo. Pompeo. Yeah. Pompeo uh, gave an interview and he said, again, what the president says, if he's not precise, uh, can be an can be an invitation to do the yeah. wrong thing, because there are there are myriad ways in the 21st century to uh, invade a country. Absolutely. Uh, it, it could be uh, it could be uh, small units or, 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 or small um, reconnaissance. It also could, could be uh, software and technology right, right. Uh, attacks, etc. There could be, it could be, it could be cyber. Yes. It could be financial. Right. It could be, it could be uh, unmanned, you know, UAVs and uh, sure. overflies that way, or it could be actual men. But, but, but it, this gets into something else, Jerry, which is funny. So the timeline, Biden says this on Thursday, Thursday afternoon and Friday and into the weekend, there is all of this scrambling on the part of the White House. Then on Sunday, Biden, or over the weekend, Biden then announces that they're going to deploy, at first it was 5,000, now it's up to 8,500 troops uh, to various NATO bases surrounding Ukraine. So no troops going into Ukraine. And this gets into something, now, right, there's a lot of discussion. 
And we as conservatives, or we on the right, need to be really careful because we can't on the one hand criticize Biden for having a, I'm going to use the phrase flaccid, flaccid is probably not the right word, but let's say a tepid uh, response or a mixed response um, to then having a, a cogent response. We can't criticize that cogent response. But on the other hand, Jerry, you were talking about the, con- the, the, the tendency towards overcorrection. Well, and again, we've seen this right uh, throughout history. Uh, Democrats have invited aggression. Yeah. And what happens as a result is they're forced to or America is forced to then uh, to over respond. And this is this is a real problem. Listen, a lot of our friends on the right and I see it on social media. And by the way, social media is going to be the topic, uh, uh, the topic today. Yeah, uh, but, among the Many of our friends on the right are saying that, hey, secure our southern border before we secure Ukraine border. Uh, No American should die for Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine is not in the uh, interest of the United States, et cetera, et cetera. And again, I think what our friends on the right misunderstand, two things. First is, is that don't don't judge the overcorrection. uh, in terms of judging the entire policy, uh, here, here. The, the, what's, what's happening in Ukraine does uh, impact the United States, number one. Uh, and, and then number two, again, you know, we, we fault the left for forgetting history. Uh, the fact of the matter is we cannot appease Putin. We just can't do it. And if we allow him to take part of Ukraine, he already took during the Obama Absolutely. years, he already took Crimea. Correct. Yes, he did. And, and so and, and portions of eastern Ukraine. Right. We cannot let him to continue. Again, interesting. We're not here to defend the uh, former president. Uh, but but the fact of the matter is we did not see this type of aggression uh, from Russia, from China uh, during the Trump years. Yes. Anyway. And, and, and no. And, and it, it, listen, these are the, the, the point in the end is we have to be we have to be consistent as a as a as a, a movement i suppose is one of the ways to put it right uh, and so we have to recognize that there is a threat and that threat has to be dealt with in a very strong fashion um whether or not the u.s has direct interest in ukraine well no but the u.s has interest in checking russian aggression that's that's certainly an issue here um, and the, the issue, of course, of you don't want to deploy troops or put troops in a position where they, unless you are willing to commit them uh, and put them in harm's way. And that's right. certainly an issue here. And, you know, as we talked about with uh, Tony Schaefer last week, there is a legitimate question about our, our obligations uh, under, under, under treaty to, to Ukraine. Sure. Um, and, and just to, so people understand, because I really do want to get into our discussion of of speech. Let me make it really clear. When the Soviet Union fell, um, a lot of, a huge amount of the Soviet, the former Soviet Union's nuclear weapons were on bases in Ukraine because Ukraine had been a Soviet territory. So when Ukraine became an independent state, it inherited all of these nuclear weapons within its sovereign borders. And as there was a huge push uh, on the international community at the time, this is in the you know mid 90s, early to mid 90s, there was a huge push to make sure that 
uh, somebody got control, that, 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 that these nuclear arms were not dispersed Right. Uh, to nations around get in the, the hands of oligarchs well yeah but what and, that was what could happen the is that they could get into the hands of terrorists in retrospect or, in yeah. retrospect they should have stayed right where they were well possibly i mean but but right but again you know hindsight's 2020 and, right. and all of these things and i don't i don't think it's i don't think it, who knows what would have happened to a a a Ukraine that had nuclear arms. Who knows? Well, I tell you, I tell you but, one thing that might. I tell you one thing that would not have happened. Yeah, uh, you wouldn't see Russian troops on its border. Russian troops invading. Sure. Yeah. But the point is, the point is this: that <laughs> that the international community uh, convinced Ukraine to give right. these weapons up to Russia, and and uh, and now that same uh, international community uh, yes. is allowing the Russians to take Ukraine uh, piece by well, the piece. Point, the point is, is that there was a pledge that was made. And there's, right. a, again, a lot of discussion about the language of this. I wrote about this in 2014 about our obligations. Um, my mentor and professor, uh, my, my advisor in my Sovietology classes, uh, 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 Dr. Ann Henderson, she, you know, she and I had lots of conversations about this, uh, about the issues about whether or not we really do have a treaty obligation. The point is, it should be open for discussion. Anyway, that's where we are. Yeah. Uh, at the very least, there needs to be a greater discussion of what our obligations are under international law. And if we're going to break the treaty, then we need to say we're breaking the treaty. And that's it's just that simple. But Jerry, that's not it's not I, what we want to talk about today. Let, I know, let, I know, I know. But I, I, let, me just, let, 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 let me say two things. The first thing is, is that uh, in, international law is is useless. <laughs> I, 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 I do. I, I, international law is useless because it, 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 it's only effective insofar as nations uh, uh, adhere to it. Of course, and, yes. And, and, and when and when there is a when there is a Putin, when there is a Biden, uh, they can interpret uh, uh, international law uh, in in a hey, manner I, that I think that, that helps their like, policy. Right, right, right. And this gets into something that we've been talking about over the last few weeks, and something we're going to continue to talk about. By that definition then a lot of uh, american law is useless because it's open to uh, well we'll get into that because we'll talk about this by about by, by uh, yeah well, by, here, by here's the bottom line here's the bottom line of this segment and that is right. as we as we uh, as we uh, go into the next uh, the topic of the show and that is yeah. one thing you and i would never do uh, we even if we disagreed on the value of international law, yes. even if we disagreed over Joe Biden's policies or whether or not sending troops there is good policy, bad policy, whether or not America should Americans should uh, shed blood for Ukraine. The one thing we wouldn't do is stifle that conversation. Absolutely true. We wouldn't we wouldn't tell people, well, they should be banned from this from this platform because they're they are promoting a dangerous false narrative yes many many times so-called you know censors uh censorship is unpredictable it's arbitrary uh it's often it's often capricious and and we see that uh on on social media twitter facebook youtube we've been victims of it on youtube just just recently yeah so so the point is on today's show uh, we're going to be joined by Professor Eugene Volok, who is a, a teaches about free speech. He runs a, a free speech amicus clinic at UCLA Law School. He's going to join us in in, in about fifteen minutes uh, to to talk about these issues and to talk about social media and the thorny issue of social media platforms and speech and censorship. And, and Jerry, with that in mind, let's open up our ripped from the headlines segment. Ripped from the headlines. So 
you know, as we've said, and it, it's interesting because it's not just because of what happened to us a couple of weeks ago. Uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar, our episode four, Andrew and Jerry Save the Supreme Court, which is out there on uh, on all of the major podcast platforms in audio format, and the video of it is available at Rumble. Jerry, I want to say this. I'm sorry. Please subscribe, like, recommend, and review wherever you're listening to or watching the podcast. Please, please, please do that because it, it certainly helps us get noticed. Um, I had to throw that in there, Jerry. The point is that video... Uh, about within 12 hours of when I uploaded that video to YouTube, I got an email from YouTube saying that they were taking it down because it violated their standards because of our discussion of COVID-19 and the science around COVID-19. And for those of you who are not aware, my co-host here, Jerry Rogers, is the editor of Real Clear Health. Indeed. So Jerry is constantly reading about healthcare policy and, and policies centered around COVID-19 all, literally all the time. Yes, uh, he has an encyclopedic knowledge of these <laughs> things, but but the issue the issue is, it's it's you know obviously that has a we have an interest in that because of what happened to us. Obviously, we've discussed that before. I am convinced that I am shadow banned on Twitter, for instance, which means I'm not actually banned, but my I have several thousand people that follow me on Twitter. Thousands of people follow me on Twitter. But my any tweet that I have that's political, that smacks of anything political, gets very few impressions on Twitter. Very few people see it. If I talk about something that's not political at all, I, I will get thousands upon thousands of tweets. Now, maybe just maybe uh, it's because people aren't interested in politics, you know, and they're much more interested in Scott Bayo or the cars. But nevertheless, so. There's, there's that, and, and you know, actually, before we get into it, Jerry, because you called me this morning uh, to talk about some of these things, you were very much on fire, and you were, you were tying a lot of things together here. Well, again, because the thirty thousand foot level idea here is uh, Arthur Brooks, former, um, I'm former head of the, Arthur Brooks, the former uh, head of uh, the American Enterprise Institute. He's now a, a scholar there. Um, did a lot of uh, work on communication and on how, how to be persuadable, how to win an argument. And, and uh, one of the ways to uh, talk to, discuss, exchange ideas with the left is to use their value system in the conversation, to, to use their tactics, to use what's familiar to them. Uh, fairness, right? Uh, social justice, uh, these issues matter. So when talking about, say, abortion, uh, you don't talk about it from the perspective of the average pro-lifer or right-winger. In fact, you talk about human rights and you talk about women's rights and you talk about uh, uh, the, the value of science and, and this sort of thing. And, and so part of, part of me believes that when dealing with uh, social media censorship, why not do what the left does? And, and, and what I mean by that is this. The left will say private school A in New Jersey cannot, cannot advance this part of its mission because this part of its mission violates our understanding of social justice. Yeah. And so therefore, if you're going to take federal monies for textbooks, 
uh, federal monies uh, for uh, to to uh, to get your school prepared for COVID-19. Uh, in other words, if any kind of federal touch is on your private institution, well, then you must adhere uh, to these federal guidelines these and, and these federal um, priorities. Well, why don't we do that? When it comes to social media, when it comes to Facebook uh, uh, in particular, uh, Facebook and, and the rest of these uh, social, uh, social uh, platforms receive all kinds of breaks and protections. In fact, you can't watch Roku without seeing 10,000, I exaggerate, yeah. 10,000 commercials, Facebook wanting more federal regulation. And so if if the federal government, if the feds yeah, but, touch okay. Facebook so much, then why isn't Facebook uh, then uh, 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 why don't they come under the the, the Bill of Rights and the free speech protections? Well, but I, I think I think you're conflating two different things, and we'll get into this with <laughs> with with Gene Volokh here, right? Because because remember, Facebook is calling for increased regulations because they know the writing is on the wall. They know that something is going to happen with regards to content restriction, um, and 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 they what they want to do is they they want to be able to write the regulations. Essentially, that's what they want. Uh, they want to make the most onerous regulations that they know that they can comply with, but that they will know that they can keep their competitors uh, away from. I, I understand that, but my 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 point, and I don't mean to conflate. I just meant to yeah. to say this as Facebook itself ad, admits that it has a relationship, a partnership with the government. Fred Smith uh, from CEI, mm. our, our old boss, would would talk about this all the time. He would say that. It is dangerous, for instance, when uh, pharmaceutical companies uh, through Medicaid and Medicare partner with the government and then the government comes in with price controls and formulary lists and other kinds of restrictions, uh, then it is what it is. You, you've decided to partner. Well, Facebook and YouTube and all the rest have partnered with the government. So well, therefore, is, why doesn't, yeah, uh, why doesn't the Constitution, which restricts government, why doesn't it also then protect free speech, free speech and religious uh, liberty on, online? Well, because I, I, listen, I, I, I don't think it's the same kind of a partnership in, in the way that you're talking about. I don't, I don't see Facebook calling for increased federal regulation to be them asking for a, a partnership, except in so far as they want to write the rules in the same way that pharmaceutical companies that are doing business with the government under Medicare or Medicaid um, are, are, are partnering. Except, yeah. I, I, I hear your point. Yeah, and again, you know, this is uh, we'll have the expert but on. Jerry, Jerry, time this. out for a second. Let me but two thirty, thirty regulation. Time out for a second. A partnership. No, I don't think sec the section two thirty issue is a, is a, is a partnership, insofar as it's a way of writing the law. So there are laws. It's an umbrella protection. But that's not that's the, not the, a partnership. The, 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 time, the, out, time out. No, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because I, 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 I think you're using the term partnership. I, I don't think that's the right term here. I think that there has been a, a right. carve out given in the law <laughs> to gonna, these businesses. I understand carve and, out is again. It's a point. I'm going to use. I'm going to use. I, doctor, I I'm going to use Doctor Langer's uh, ad admonition, and that is the people listening to us have a sense of what partnership means. Yeah, but you're, you're not, trying. Okay, you're you're, you're right, being but, nuanced. Right, Jerry, you're, but, you're, so okay. I, but you saw talk about partnership. Making a deal. Is a partnership. Hold on. Partnership is when is when GM gets a bailout from the federal government. And and the federal government inserts itself into, Andrew, into what GM is Andrew, doing. Who do you think wrote the two thirty regulation? Well, 
lobbyists from I'm, from I'm, Facebook. I'm sure, but but that's not to say that Facebook. All right, okay. If Facebook, <laughs> if Facebook, right? Remember, we we went through this discussion. We didn't do it on the air on these airwaves. But remember when the Biden administration was talking about trying to get um, uh, COVID skeptics taken off of Twitter, right? Right. So, and and there was, I think, there was a member of Congress who was banned, my or or, or at least suspended. You know, if the Biden administration, if the federal government is telling the social media people who to kick off, that's a partnership. Right. In the same way that if the federal government is saying we're going to buy X numbers, you know, something I'm not going to I'm not going to hear. But here, but here Andrew, just this past week, in the past uh, in the past week alone. Yeah. And again, you know, sometimes the federal government tells you to do something. Sometimes it gives you a wink and a nod. The president of the United States was on this week and he said he pleaded with social uh, social media platforms and the media uh, to censor so-called misinformation. And then you had on this week the Surgeon General of the United States calling on social media companies to censor information. Okay, right. And and if and if the federal government is is actively talking behind the scenes to get them to do this, that's a partnership that I'm saying is, that listen, it I, is it is disturbing, right? It is disturbing for the for the federal government for for people in the executive branch to actively make that call because remember fascism is the intersection of corporate and state right. power i put my hand fingers together yeah. Jerry, i just want to show you something before we bring on our guests because we're going to bring on our guest in just a second here all right um, um i want to i want to when i talk about when i talk about shadow banning this is this is what i'm talking about here so i tweeted out just the other day um this uh a tweet about uh um holland's college and which is a, a, a girl's school, Hollins University, and who is considered a woman for the purposes of matriculation here. Um, and then I, and I had a clip of Tucker Carlson. That, that I put that out on January 22nd, that got 205 impressions. And I want you to contrast this, and this is a couple of years back, I had Scott Bayo on, uh, on WBAL. I tweeted out about, about it, and most of these impressions came within the first 12 hours i got twenty-one thousand impressions almost twenty-two thousand impressions there uh, you know and and i can talk about other things and show other examples of this and again i know that anecdotes the plural of anecdotes is not data but nevertheless uh it was uh, it was an issue here's here's the thing and i want to i want to set this up in this way before we bring on our guest uh because we're going to switch zooms in, in a second here um well, the audience, is, I, the audience I, doesn't know that. That's all right. That's a period <laughs> behind the scenes. Um, as you can tell, Jerry and I are of different minds about this. And we are trying to noodle through, especially given the, the, the stances that we took on net neutrality, for instance, which was an issue of how uh, internet service providers were going to get regulated in terms of how they could price out access to data and data transmission. That was what net neutrality was all about. And, and I took what I consider still the right position, which is the federal government should not be setting rates for these internet service providers. And these internet service providers should be able to price different usages differently, right? So if, uh, if I pony up $100,000 a month, not that I'm ponying up $100,000 a month, I should be able to get premium access to my internet service providers, but someone who was paying $5 a month or paying nothing for their access to the internet, uh, they, they will have a slower service. 
Um, this is different than what we're talking about here, but by the same token, if I'm calling for, for no regulation on the one side, wrapping my head around how we get, you know, how we get regulation on the other side, that's a thorny issue. And this is why we're having Eugene Volokh on. So tell you what, Jerry, let's, uh, let's go to our expert advice segment and let's bring on our guest, uh, uh, Professor Eugene Volokh. Expert advice. Uh, we are back. I am Andrew Langer. Uh, this is our expert advice segment of Andrew and Jerry Save the World. I'm putting my glasses on uh, because our, our guest has joined us. Uh, his name is Eugene Volokh. Uh, he is the Gary T. Schwartz Distinguished Professor of Law at UCLA. Uh, he teaches First Amendment law. He, uh, he runs a First Amendment amicus brief clinic. Uh, he's also, listen, I, I, he clerked for one of my favorite Supreme Court justices, uh, Sandra Day O'Connor, also clerked for Alex Kaczynski uh, on the Ninth Circuit. And as it happens, uh, I've known his brother, oh, I'm sorry, also founder, and we'll pull it up in a second, uh, founder along with his brother of the Vola Conspiracy, which uh, was its own thing. It's a, it's a blog about law and liberty, uh, was the Washington Post for a long time. Now it's back at, at Reason, uh, at Reason.com. We'll, as I said, we'll put up the link. And as I was about to say, I've known his brother for a very long time. Uh, in fact, Professor Volokh, I was going to pull this up. Uh, I I did. I'm sure you're familiar with this. Your brother did a ran a series of um, of online Zoom based Shakespeare uh, play readings. Uh, here I am with your brother Sasha uh, doing a reading. I want to say Henry the Sixth uh, back about a year ago. So welcome, welcome to the show, sir. Uh, great to be on. Great to be on. So let's start here. Um, and when we've started doing this. Uh, because we, we really do, we, we tend to overcomplicate things, but we want to start simply. Tell us as though we're, I'm, let's not say five years old, but <laughs> as though we're high school students, explain to us the thorny nature of the discussion, the debate over how to regulate or even if to regulate how social media uh, platforms censor or review content. Sure. So the First Amendment protects against government action, protects against having you be thrown in jail or having you be sometimes kicked off of government property or maybe fired from your government job and the like. What about private action? What if an employer fires you because of your speech or because you support some political candidate or some such? That's a matter that's left to state and federal and sometimes local law. So for example, about half the states have rules that in some form or another, protect private employees from being fired by their employers for uh, the employee's political activity or often just even quite broadly speech. Uh, it's not that the First Amendment protects these private employees because the First Amendment applies, the first word is Congress, Congress will make no law, supplies to, uh, to states and local governments to the 14th Amendment, which says no state may do certain things. So the First Amendment by itself doesn't protect these employees, but in fact, it inspires in some measure these statutes, not in all states, but in some states that protect employees against uh, such retaliation. Likewise, when it comes to free exercise of religion, if your employer fires you because he doesn't like your religion, uh, that's not a violation of the free exercise clause, but it is a violation if the employer is large enough uh, of Title VII of the Civil Rights Act and of many uh, state statutes as well. 
So uh, one question that arises is, should similar restraints be imposed on uh, private platforms, uh, and such as say, social media platforms? And one way of thinking about it is to think about the spectrum of, of uh, platforms. So one possible platform is a newspaper. It's a platform yes. for letters to the editor, platform for op-eds, platform for ads. And by the way, here I'm talking about outsiders uh, submitting stuff, obviously. The, uh, much of what the newspaper publishes is published by its own employees, but it also provides a place where the public could speak, but nobody has a right to speak there. And if the government says you have a First Amendment right to, to have your op-ed published in a newspaper, that would violate the newspaper's own First Amendment rights. There's sure. a called Miami Herald Eternal. A bookstore, probably like that too. There are no Supreme Court cases on the right of bookstores to choose which books to, uh, uh, to uh, uh, carry or more importantly for us not to carry. But it's probably a pretty fair inference that especially if you're kind of an old bricks and mortar bookstore and you specialize in uh, free market books or feminist books or socialist books or Christian books, you're entitled to pick and choose. Let's sure. look at the other end of the spectrum. What about the phone company? What if the phone company says, yes, um, we are really, really upset that somebody has this phone line where they're a recruiter for the KKK or for Antifa or for some other group we disapprove of. And it's not like we're listening in on those conversations. There's no invasion of privacy here. We know that they have this, this uh, 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 phone service using our, uh, our phone lines because there are ads out there saying, call this number in order to hear about the KKK and why you should join us. Well, uh, the, the phone company can't eject or can't cancel that service uh, because uh, that is um, uh, the uh, uh, phone company is treated as a common carrier uh, and, by, and by federal law. Professor, Ola, let me just interrupt for a second, just let you know, I pulled up on the screen for folks to see you have this piece out, which is a really great law review article. Uh, treating social media platforms like common carriers. I'll put the link up on our show page so folks can read themselves. But I'm sorry, sir. Go, go right up, please. Please don't. There, the, the title is treating uh, uh, social media platforms like oh, common yes. carriers. There's a carriers. question, mark, question at mark at the end. Let me. Let me. Very good point. This is a complicated question. And I'm Absolutely. Stick to that uh, as to certain features of social media platforms, but it's far from clear that it's the right answer. But yes. in any case, so so on one end are entities that we expect to pick and choose what uh, to carry. They have a First Amendment right to pick and choose what to carry. Even more clearly, the newspapers, for example, magazines, which are often, and many newspapers at least claim to be objective, but many magazines do not. Yes. Your public is, a, you expect it to provide things from one perspective. National Review, you expect it to, uh, uh, to, uh, to do that. And in fact, there's real value in their picking and choosing because it adds to the set of options that we have that, that we can say, well, if we want to subscribe to a center left magazine or center right or hard right or hard left or, or deliberately moderate, we can do that. Likewise, they solve the problem of information overload. Uh, for, uh, there are all these possible articles out there and everything that's happening every day. The reason we subscribe to a newspaper is because we want it to exercise its editorial judgment. What it excludes is as important to us as what it includes. Sure. On the other hand, that's not the way we conceptualize uh, phone companies. Phone companies are private entities, but they don't have a First Amendment right, at least court has never said, uh, have never even suggested they have a First Amendment right uh, to say, we refuse to allow our uh, our services to be used by uh, 
uh, by uh, views that we think are evil and false. Um, and on top of that, um, uh, that's true not just for landlines, which are regulated monopolies, but it's also true for the famously competitive uh, cell phone providers. So it's not just a matter of, oh, monopolies are regulable. Um, likewise, UPS and FedEx are also common carriers as transportation entities. So for example, if UPS says, we will not deliver any books sent by this bookstore because we think this bookstore traffics in misinformation and advocacy of genocide and of racism and of, uh, of, uh, that's unpatriotic and anti-war, whatever, whatever UPS might think about that, they have to carry that stuff on the same terms as they carry any books. Um, so, uh, so the question is where we fit social media platforms. Although yeah. maybe a question is where do we fit various functions of various social media platforms. So for example, one thing that social media platform does is it provides recommendations. You might like this because sure. it's trending, or you might like this based on our algorithm that you've liked these other things, we, you might like this as well. Classic mm. example of that, not for social media platforms, is Google, Google search results. And I should tell you, by the way, I wrote a paper on this as a lawyer for Google. So it was not okay. Article, but I do think that it is quite right that Google ought to have pretty broad First Amendment rights to decide what to present. And among other things, we don't want Google to be content and viewpoint neutral. Uh, that 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 would totally uh, uh, eliminate its value as a search engine. Can I, um, can I interject and ask you a question? Uh, because now, this gets into it, it's really interesting because one of the things that I've talked about with regards to, for instance, Facebook, and and, and I've never talked about it with Google, but I would think Google would be part and parcel of this. So let's say that you are a uh, just political organization X or um, political nonprofit organization X. I'm going to make that really clear. And you decide you want to start promoting your, your, um, your content on Facebook or Google or what have you. And you pay Google or Facebook to promote, to make recommendations, right. To get yourself in, in the, the feed somewhere. But Google, obviously, Google has, a, as you said, a right. And of course, now my my phone has picked up on what I just said and is answering me. Um, Google has the right to pick and choose what and how it recommends. But if I'm paying money to Google or Facebook, obviously, they can tell me that they're not that that they're not going to accept my money to pr promote that material. But if they do, do they have an obligation to turn around and then tell me? Well, we are not recommending this material based upon our uh, um, our our First Amendment rights to pick and choose, right? Because it gets into this whole thing. A lot of folks talk about the terms of service and how um, things get, you know, a, a little opaque. You know, we did a video on YouTube that got banned because YouTube didn't like how we were talking about the uh, the current events regarding masks and science. Do they have an obligation to tell us with specificity what content they're promoting and what they're not promoting? So if I understand you correctly, I think you're asking an important question, but one that's different from the common carrier question. Sure, yes. Is sort of as a matter of consumer protection. Yes. Do they have an obligation to distinguish paid advertisements from things that they chose based on an algorithm that is supposedly aimed at maybe serving you or even serving their own ideology, but that isn't paid? 
Well, and, and right, more to the point, right. hold on, more to the point, do they have an obligation to tell you that, you know, as you are talking about things on their social media platform, these are not things we are going to recommend. Like, like I, I just posted a, a, a thing from Twitter where I was talking about Holland's College and discriminatory practices at Holland's University. That tweet got 200 views, impressions on Twitter. I posted something about Scott Bayo and I got 20,000 views. It's very clear that there's there's a disparate. Does, so does Twitter have an obligation to tell oh, me? But what, what you're describing is that people are much more interested in celebrity gossip than they yeah, are. Well, that's we don't need a disclaimer saying that. Yes, but 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 my point is, I've noticed over the last couple of years that yeah. if I say something that is completely innocuous, that will get much much more views. If I say something that might be slightly controversial, it gets fewer views. No, yeah, you're right. The I, I know this. As I just said, the plural of anecdotes is not data, but anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead, sir. Right. Well, so I think this is a uh, this is a great question. It is a, uh, it is a, not the one that I had thought you were asking, and sure. it is one that's a little closer to the common carrier question. Uh, to what extent can you require platforms to disclose the basis for their judgments about what to promote, what not to promote, what to rank higher, what to rank lower? It's an interesting issue. Has its own kind of conceptual complexities. Yeah. Um, certainly that's not something we generally expect of newspapers, right? If sure. you write a letter to the editor and they don't publish it, you're not entitled to a statement saying, here's why we didn't publish it. They just say, you know, we thought it was kind of dumb. Uh, yeah. Andrew, let me, uh, let, let, let me cut to the chase. Uh, is Facebook a, is Facebook, is Twitter, uh, are these common carriers? Well, I think the answer is no. Because common carrier is a term for uh, a legal status that historically had been decided by courts at times. Like they would say, oh, this entity should be a common carrier, sort of as a matter of common law. These days, it's generally has to be defined by statute. So the question is, is. Ah, okay. I, I understand. Right so let me, let, me, let me follow up then. Uh, and again, <laughs> I'm a novice, but you know, a railroad is a common carrier, correct? By, I, by statute. All right, so by the statute. Question I think you might be asking is, is should we have a 21st century um, uh, uh, reevaluation of what a, a right. common carrier is? Right. Well, I do think we should be reevaluating the sense of thinking about it. What the ultimate conclusion I think is hard, but I think the answer is uh, so the, the answer, excuse me, the question is should they be treated as common carriers and related? Right. May they be treated as common carriers? Because again, if we try to treat a newspaper as a common carrier, that probably violates its First Amendment rights. Sure. Treating a phone company as a common carrier doesn't. The question is, what about social media platforms? So, so the first thing I want to say is, I think that we need to distinguish different functions of the, yes. of the platform. So one is that is the recommendation function. That's where they really are speaking themselves in the sense that they are affirmatively recommending something. Uh, so like a phone company, to the extent it does speak itself, let's say in a phone book, it may have its own editorial content. You can't say, well, you have to promote this particular sure. nonprofit alongside others. They could say, well, we want to recommend community organizations that we really like and not, and not everybody, uh, not ones we dislike. Um, a second question, sort of again, uh, thinking about it as a spectrum, but within social media platforms, what about the hosting function? Just the decision whether to allow something on your platform or not. Right there, I'm not sure that they should be required to host things, but I do think that there is a that they don't have a First Amendment right to say we refuse to carry it just because we don't like it. 
there's a trio of Supreme Court cases, which I'd be happy to get into Please. Uh, later, uh, that pretty strongly suggest that requiring an entity to essentially host all comers, more or less, host them on a content neutral basis, or at least a viewpoint neutral basis, is generally constitutionally permissible. Just like, for example, universities could be required to host military recruiters, even if they disapprove of military policy. Um, then again, it's a spectrum. So in between, yeah, we have other questions. So one question is, what about uh, what if a platform says we're going to host you, but we're not going to even tell people your address? So if people do a search on Twitter for you, the name of your of your organization, we won't tell you that this is a Twitter hat. So I think that's pretty close to the hosting function, kind of the uh, uh, the, the the location information. Uh, but but it's an interesting question. Uh, how that would play out. Another thing is, what about their conversation management function? So what the thing about with hosting is, if somebody hosts my, Twitter hosts the Volok C, for Volok Conspiracy, it's the name of our blog, um, uh, feed, and who who uh, sees that? People who want to subscribe to Volok C, people who go to twitter.com slash Volok C. Um, so, uh, so there, I think that that's the strongest case uh, whether it's strong enough, but at least the strongest case for saying Twitter uh, has to do that on a viewpoint neutral basis. But what about comments? Let's say comments that come up on your Facebook page or comments that come up on your Twitter feed. There, they often end up being seen by people who didn't sign up for that. They signed up for the page or they signed up for the Twitter feed. They didn't sign up for the comments. And it's actually a pretty valuable feature that at, first of all, at the very least, they block spam. Twitter and Facebook block spam. If Twitter and Facebook didn't block spam comments. If they weren't allowed to do that, they really would become useless. It'll be a net loss for public discourse. Uh, but what if what if they say we're going to block personal insults or vulgarities or even say racist abuse or some such? So that would be a viewpoint based blocking. You know, it's an interesting uh, question. On the one hand, uh, it's still third party speech. It's not that it's not Twitter's or Facebook's own speech. Um, uh, uh, so, so there's, there's some argument for protecting this third party speech, but at the same time, again, Twitter and Facebook are doing their more than just providing hosting. They're managing an, an environment. They're managing a conversation. It's kind of like if a university sets up a, a conference, it can say, we're going to invite these people, but not those people. And if somebody asks questions that seem off topic or seem insulting, we're going to cut off their mic uh, in a way that they can't just say, we're, gonna, we're going to um, eject a uh, public university, for example, couldn't say we are going to eject students or expel students uh, because of their ideology. Um, so, so one thing I think we have to keep in mind is the question is, can they be treated as, uh, as, so, as common carriers, period? Rather, it's could they be treated as common carriers for the, each one of these functions? And the answer may be different for some than for others. It, it, it's 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 certainly interesting stuff. Actually, let, let me let me pivot into this because I was about to pull up a tweet in which I got insulted, but set that aside for a moment. Um, because when I when you and I were trading emails uh, about this, I had referenced a Supreme Court case that Jerry and I had talked about, which is the Packingham case, which was about access to social media platforms. Um, as we said, by registered sex offenders, it was struck down by the high court in 2017. Actually, you, I, I believe you may have written an amicus brief in that case. Did you? Yes, indeed. Okay. 
so we were talking about whether or not, right, if if there is a, a right under the First Amendment to have access to these social media platforms, um, and the court didn't say that they were, they, the court didn't explicitly say that they were the new public square, but they made intimations that it was the new public square. Is there not a converse obligation, therefore, because they are the new public square, for them to allow the, the content to go out in, in, in a for them not to put their thumb on the scale in terms of determining which content can go forward. I, in my, my, I guess in a very simple way, what good is a public square if you can't have open debate about all topics within that public square? Well, the answer is, uh, as, as a formal First Amendment matter, is that First Amendment law does sharply distinguish government-imposed restrictions yeah. uh, from privately-imposed restrictions. Uh, and again, this is very familiar. Newspapers... Um, everybody has long agreed that newspapers uh, are critical to, to monitoring the government and to democratic debate and, and all that. Uh, but that doesn't mean that newspapers have to publish everything that everyone submits. Uh, they are free from government censorship, but they can impose their own constraints. And again, it's really valuable that they impose their own constraints. One reason we subscribe to a particular newspaper is we think it does a good job of weeding out misinformation and focusing on stuff that is really thoughtful and important. And maybe sometimes even, and from a, a viewpoint that we think is the right viewpoint. Um, so the First Amendment law does sharply distinguish those things. And Packingham simply involved the government forbidding uh, um, uh, sex offenders, ones who've already served their, their sentence. So they're not in jail, they're not even on probation. They're, they're, they're back in ordinary life, but it forbade them, uh, North Carolina government forbade them from uh, going on, uh, on a wide range of social media platforms. The court said that violates their First Amendment rights. And if, if Facebook decided it wanted, didn't want to allow um, uh, sex offenders, well, good luck to it in trying to figure out who is and who isn't, uh, but, uh, uh, but uh, that would not violate the First Amendment. It wouldn't be bound by that. Let, let me but ask. A, but, there, but I just want to acknowledge okay. there is a broader point, which isn't: Does the First Amendment require social media platforms to to allow access to everybody? But rather, do first broader First Amendment principles about public discourse should they lead us to impose similar kinds of rules uh, as a matter of statute, let's say, whether state or federal? That I think is an important question. So, I, so I, if the question is, does Packingham? secure a First Amendment right of access to, public, to social media platforms, even when the platforms say, no, the answer is no. Right. But if the question is, should the reasoning of Packingham make us think about whether there ought to be some more uh, restraints on social media platforms, that's a very interesting question that I do think we should be considering. Jerry, go ahead. Where, where, where do you draw the line uh, when it comes to whether something's a government entity or not? In other words, um, mm. We, we had an old friend, uh, Fred Smith, who uh, would warn corporations that partner with the government, either through direct subsidies or regulatory carve outs or whatever, 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 whatever was being done between the private entity and the government. He would warn that, hey, once once you make government your partner, uh, then you open yourself up to all kinds of restrictions and interference. Well, in, in, in this case, uh, do these social media platforms, do they receive uh, uh, government benefits uh, that, that 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 therefore we should consider those benefits when they decide. Well, if you're on the wrong side of the masking debate, 
you can be thrown off social media. You can be thrown off Facebook, even though uh, Facebook succeeds and and uh, and it flourishes because of government carve outs and government protections and government uh, subsidies. So the law is quite well settled. Uh, receiving government benefits does not make you a government actor for First Amendment purposes or 14th Amendment purposes or a wide range of other purposes. I'll give you an example. There's a case uh, called Rendell Baker versus Cohn from the early 1980s. It involved a, uh, a, a school that, uh, that I specialized in, I think, children with, I think, emotional problems or something like that. Uh, um, and it got vast amount of government funding. Uh, I think the theory was that public schools may not be well set up for uh, uh, for uh, uh, for dealing with that, but this school is. We're, we're going to subsidize it. I believe over ninety percent of its budget came from the government. Wow. Then the school fired a uh, uh, an employee. The employee said, "This is because of my speech." The employee sued under the First Amendment, and the Supreme Court said, "No First Amendment violation," because even though the school got over ninety percent of its money from the government, that did not make it a state actor. There are other cases involving regulated monopolies, like a, uh, a gas company, let's say. It could be the only one allowed in town. It could be heavily regulated by the government. The very fact of its monopoly status is effect a subsidy, although also there's rate control, so I guess that's, sure. a, 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 that's an extra burden. Doesn't make it into a state actor. Now, what, what Fred Smith might have been getting at is that there are a lot of statutes that say, as a condition of getting government funds, right? You, or, or in exchange for getting government funds, if I understand. You get government funds, you're bound in various ways. The classic example is Title VI of the uh, Civil Rights Act of 1964, uh, which basically says that federally funded entities can't discriminate based on race, uh, among other things. Um, and uh, uh, the uh, um, uh, so as a result, if you get federal funds, it's not like the Equal Protection Clause now applies to you. It's that the statute now applies to you. So the fact that uh, uh, platforms may get various government benefits, I'm not sure how much they get. I mean, a lot depends what you count as a benefit. In a sure. sense, operate on top of the internet, which was uh, created in part with considerable government subsidies. Sure. Now they get various kinds of tax breaks that are often offered to other corporations for, I suppose, creating jobs or whatever else. Uh, but uh, that does not make them state actors. But the question that arises is, should that be a basis for the government to regulate them? Although alternatively, you might say, we don't even care if they get government benefits. The common carrier laws apply to be applied. Right, to right, 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 right. It is regardless of whether they get government benefits. Uh, and again, I, I'm, I'm trying to wrap my head around this in a way that our, our listeners think through this, right? Our listeners aren't, uh, uh, aren't experts on the law, aren't, aren't constitutional scholars. Uh, and, and so think, think of Andrew, think of some questions they might have. Like for instance, you know, um, Facebook, so I have um, uh, I have certain uh, uh, religious beliefs. Uh, one of one of my does not me. I'm just saying an example. So my religious belief uh, uh, causes me to question the efficacy uh, and the morality of of of, uh, of vaccines, and I express that view uh, on Facebook, Twitter, wherever, and I'm thrown off. Uh, uh, is there a, a is, is that a violation of, of, of my religious liberty because I'm expressing my 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 no. religious view? No. Well, 
Well, then, it's then not a violation of the free exercise clause. It's okay. not a violation of the religious freedom restoration. But yet, but yet, if I if I owned a, a butcher shop, if I if I was cutting meat and and the ladies were coming in with getting their 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 pork chops or whatever else, uh, and I had a uh, I had someone work for me, uh, uh, or or express their religious uh, belief, and I fired them over their religious beliefs or their race, I could I could get in trouble with the government. Well, because there's a specific statute that bans employment discrimination based on race, and that also mandates that an employer accommodate the religious uh, religious practices of their employees. It's the type. It's, it's uh, well, and, and customers as well, right? I couldn't I couldn't refuse someone to come into my butcher shop or my restaurant uh, because they're because they're Jewish, because they're black, because they're whatever. Well, so that becomes a little bit more complicated, and I think the answer may, may be different for the restaurant and the butcher shop. Okay. Title II of the Civil Rights Act does ban discrimination based on race, and I believe also religion, uh, but at, at least based on race in uh, um, uh, in uh, uh, restaurants and other food service. Uh, 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 let's say restaurants, bars, and other such places. Sure. However, it does not ban discrimination in retail, including, I believe, in grocery stores. Okay. Uh, so. Now, the, uh, many states do do that. I, I get it. The um, reason why the, the reason I'm asking what, what seems to be a, a, a basic silly question is that I'm just trying again. People look at the un, what they think is the unfairness of conservative uh, thought uh, being banned from social media, and 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 they go right to what I just said. Well, it's you, you know you couldn't do this, you couldn't do that, and right. and you started out. In this place, you warned us before we started yeah. that this is very complicated, but and that's that's the point I'm trying to, uh, to get Andre, through. I, I think what what Professor Volokh is saying in the end is, if we were going to go down the statutory route, if we're going to go down the legislative route, the legislation is going to have to be very carefully crafted, and it's going to have to deal with specific aspects of how these social media platforms do business. You know, whether or not it is on the recommendation side, or whether it's not on the the, 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 how they how they filter out content. This is what we're talking about. That's that's really what you're getting at, Professor, isn't it? Well, right. So one thing is I want to stress to people is that a lot of this isn't about what the Constitution. Yes. Right. Yes. Of course. Uh, it's uh, it's about what statutory extra protections we might think are a good idea, and then of course the question is whether maybe those statutory protections are themselves prohibited by the Constitution. Sure. Uh, yeah. So. One and in statutes, people draw lines. As I said, you know, it's the uh, Title VII applies to employment, but only, I believe, at this point for employers that are 15 or more employees. Uh, Title II applies to public accommodations, but only certain kinds of public accommodations. You know, they may not be the best lines that are drawn, but that's what legislatures often do is they just right. draw distinctions. We think on balance, this is. Uh, this, we should cover certain things one way and certain things another way. So one question that may arise is what lines we think are sensible. So for example, some of these proposed laws say if the platform is large enough, has over 10 million users or something like that, then we should regulate it and for smaller ones we shouldn't. That's not, the, the constitution never has, doesn't have a 10 million sure. user clause yeah. or draws that distinction. But a statute could draw that kind of distinction in trying to figure out just how much of a burden on public debate, for example, uh, various restraints uh, might be. Uh, so yeah, it, it's complicated in part because there are all of these choices that need to be made and lines that could be drawn and probably ought to be drawn again. I think it's a very important question whether somebody is saying, I am entitled to have my item recommended 
sure. by the platform as opposed to simply I'm entitled to have it be not kicked off by the platform. Yes, right. And it's a good distinction. And I, you know, before we let you go, and I know our time is short, we're going to have to get you back because I want to I, I, I want to talk to you about the Second Amendment, the right to keep and bear arms, the right to self-defense, all of those things. But I just pulled this up. Um, and for those of you who are listening instead of watching, pulled up the front page today of the Volok conspiracy on Reason.com. That's Reason.com slash Volok. Uh, V-O-L-O-K-H. And you've got this piece up here that I want you to talk about before I let you go, before we let you go. The right to defy criminal demands, the duties to retreat and to comply with negative demands. You just have this up uh, today. Tell us a little bit about that, because I know it's something both Jerry and I are interested in. Well, it's hard to tell a little bit about it. (laughs) (laughs) Which is why we have to have you back. Uh, So so let me just tell you about the big picture of the article. Sure. I'm serializing a draft article of mine. And so the question is, let's say some criminal comes up to you and says, you know, I'm going to bomb your building if you are, if you don't close your abortion clinic. And you say, no, I refuse to be pushed around by you. Then he bombs your building. Well, it's bad for you, obviously, but you you ran the risk as a a, a courageous person. But then you're then somebody who's injured in the bombing sues, not him, he doesn't have any money or he couldn't be found. He sues you for negligently allowing or negligently causing and provoking this criminal uh, and then not giving into his demands, negligently causing this bombing. Or they may sue you for nuisance even before the bombing, your neighbor sued. Uh, there was a case recently in Georgia where, in fact, uh, the neighbors of an abortion clinic got a one and a half million dollar verdict uh, against the clinic because they said, oh, you know, Drew, once somebody firebombed it, we keep, we're afraid it, they're gonna, uh, it's going to happen again. It diminishes our property values, diminishes our enjoyment and use of our property. Um, and ultimately, in part, we hope because or because of an amicus brief that we filed on behalf of a bunch of groups, including gun rights groups, including free speech groups, who said, look, this could happen to a gun store. This could happen to a church. This could happen to a bookstore. Um, uh, the Georgia Court of Appeals reversed, essentially saying you don't have to give in to criminals. So yeah. one way in which this arises in some measure is in this well-known duty to retreat in criminal law and the much less well-known duty to comply with negative demands. Mm. Basically, if somebody comes up to me in a state that has the duty to retreat, which now is only about a quarter of the states, not including my own California, for example, but some states do have that. Uh, so somebody comes up to me and says, uh, says, leave this bar or I'll kill you. Right? Yes. Stay here. And I happen to have a gun. So I, so I feel if he's going to attack me, I've got a good chance of defending myself. So he attacks me. I defend myself using deadly force. Um, and uh, then uh, uh, under the duty to retreat in those states, I can't claim self-defense anymore yeah. because I could have avoided the need for self-defense by retreating from this place. And then about half of those 13 states, I oversimplified here, but basically that, also follow uh, a broader rule, which is that if you could uh, avoid the need for deadly self-defense by complying with the demand that you refrain from an action, generally not the demand that you actually do something, but you refrain yeah. from an action, then in that case, again, you forfeit the right to self-defense if, wow. you, if you fail to comply. So in principle, there are only two cases I've found in which this was ever actually 
litigated because I think a lot of prosecutors realize this can't be quite right, even though it is the statute in those states. In principle, if somebody says, um, uh, I, I, you know, uh, uh, says to, to a gay couple, you know, stop, stop sh uh, kissing each other in front of me or I'll kill you. And they say, no, no, we're not going to go along with that. Uh, and fortunately, they're armed. Uh, and he tries to, to he tries to kill them, and then they they kill him, or they don't even kill him, but sure. they use deadly force in a way that doesn't lead to death. Uh, um, they could be prosecuted for murder or for attempted murder on the theory that forfeited the right to self defense. Or if somebody says, you know, I never want to see uh, you with my ex girlfriend because I'm still jealous, and I say, no, no, I, you know, I'm entitled to go where I want with whomever I yeah. want. I won't let you uh, push me around this way. And then I show up somewhere with my ex-girlfriend. The guy happens to be there. He tries to attack me. I use deadly self-defense. Again, in the states that follow this duty to comply, uh, which is only seven states. Yes. Uh, uh, in principle, I could be guilty of uh, murder if I, if I kill him in self-defense because I could have avoided this just by, well, not just by, uh, but by, uh, by giving into his demands. So the point of my article is as a general matter, that's not the way the law should operate. Sure. It also, it also get, you can easily get into the realm of the ridiculous, right? So uh, say I live in one of these seven states and I'm, and I'm happily married and a stranger comes to me and says that uh, uh, your wife is very beautiful. I want to marry your wife. You must divorce your wife. If you don't divorce your wife, I'm going to kill you and your wife. And then I refuse to divorce. That's why I say duty to comply with negative. Yeah. Okay. I will kill you unless you do something. Like right. somebody says, look, I'll kill you unless you beg for your life. And you say, no. And then the guy whips out a knife, you whip out a gun, and you kill him. Seems to be perfectly legit. And all <laughs> yes. states would say that because okay. Okay. he's asking you to comply with a positive demand. North Dakota, interestingly, is the okay. only one that allows for a limited wow. Why North Dakota? Who knew? That's, um, oh, my goodness. Uh, but, uh, but as to negative demand, so it would be like, I don't want you to see you in public with your wife because okay. I used to date her and right. I'm so upset that I lost her and I'm jealous of you. Then you'd have to avoid being seen in public. With your wife. <laughs> but that's insane. I, yes. I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> okay. so, Professor Volok, the, the pieces, the, the, <laughs> it's being serialized, the Volok conspiracy. We're going to put the link up there. I know yes. you, you have to go. But uh, uh, Eugene Volok, the Gary T. Schwartz Distinguished Professor of Law at UCLA Law School. We got to get you back, sir. Yes. It'd be a great pleasure. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you very much. Okay. Take care. Talk later. Thanks, guys. And with that, we're going to move to the bottom line. The bottom line. Welcome to the bottom line segment. Jerry was chomping in the pit. Go right ahead, Jerry. Well, again, I, 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 it, it shows a couple of things, right? It shows yeah. a couple of three things. Uh, this conversation, number one, how complicated the law is, how complicated uh, uh, the uh, uh, legislation is. Uh, and, 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 and therefore, the fact that we have so many laws, so the proliferate, proliferation. Thank you. Of, 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 of laws, the over-criminalization. You know, we talked about this the other day uh, over the phone. Yeah. Uh, no one can answer the question how many laws there are in the federal code. No one knows. In fact, the Heritage Foundation is starting a special project. Well, they've been uh, to, doing the over-criminalization project for a while. Right, but, but now, but however, a, a specific, a specific uh, a header in that project is to actually count how many federal oh, laws there, there are. Now, but, 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 but again, it goes to show 
also how dangerous Congress is, the, the modern day Congress, and how we need to return to regular order because uh, and when it comes to free speech, when it comes to accommodation, when it comes to social media, uh, censorship, uh, there needs to be law that is very carefully crafted, right? And the fact of the matter is Congress no longer does this. Yes, Congress Jerry. will write broad pieces of legislation and then allow regulators and courts to interpret what the legislation is. So um, I pulled up for those of you who are not watching, listening. Um, yes, I, I've pulled up uh, <laughs> on Amazon. You and I have talked about this book before. It's worth reading. Uh, it's called Three Felonies a Day, How the Feds Target the Innocent. It says Kindle edition uh, yeah. by Henry Silverglate. It, it essentially gets down to this issue of overcriminalization. You know, something I we ought to get um, uh, somebody from that over. Uh, project on with us to talk about these things. He, he, um, he also says something that, that I want to just reiterate because it's something you and, I, you and I have talked about before. You and I, I know I've talked about either on your show, my show, on, on a podcast together. We've talked about how, and I, and I actually wrote a piece on this once, I think, I, I, you know, I got to go back and check how the, how the railroad as a common carrier really is the, uh, uh, is the example of how we should be governing social media platforms. And, and, and what Eugene did for us here is, is he made it very clear. He said that th that might very well be, but that's not what the law says now. Yes. And that's very interesting to me. I also think it's very interesting how he's talked about how, how the, the, the three different functions of social media, uh, you know, whereas two of the three functions could be, could be uh, reinterpreted and and uh, and put into the law that they're common carrier and therefore have certain restrictions uh, in terms of restricting uh, free speech and that sort of thing. But the, the point is, our Congress isn't anywhere near yeah. this kind of modernity in terms of bringing uh, 19th century and 20th century, 20th century law into the 21st century. It reminds me of the debate and discussion over cryptocurrency. And and how and not we're gonna do it. We're gonna do a whole episode. Excuse me on crypto. It, 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 does crypto still exist? I heard it crash. It's all gone, baby. Oh, listen, my well, remember. I'm gonna say this. Remember, years ago, I invested uh, a few hundred dollars and then a few hundred dollars more. And let's just say this much. I'm not gonna get into where it was, but back in it, it, there have been two peaks where it, it, there's. It, Lots and lots of money have been made. Um, it lost my crypto. Now. My crypto holdings are at least when I looked the other day, were half the value was half of what it was back in April. Yeah. Um. And and so yeah, it it's uh, or maybe it was yeah maybe it was the fall. I don't know. Anyway, I got to go back. The point is, it's, it's yeah, crypto's lost about half its worth, and some of it has to do with the rumblings that the Biden administration is making about about crypto policy. But the point is that. There are there essentially there are four ways to look at it. And I'm not going to get into the four ways. There are four, there are three existing ways of looking at cryptocurrency. You know, it could be, I am going to say it, it could be a security, it could be a commodity, uh, it could be a currency. There are three sort of statutory sections um, that 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 deal with those things. 
or it could be a fourth thing, which is an entirely new kind of an investment entity, which is probably what it needs <laughs> I to be. I have no idea what crypto is. It, it's, no a, idea. it's okay. And I'm not going to get into where you you know, that'll, be the, that'll be the question. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's funny, real quick, because oh, I, I want to I talk about this. And I, I wanted to sort of talking about these issues of rights and about positive and sort of negative demands that are made sort of the tail end of the conversation. And I know you at some point want to do a whole show talking about uh, uh, shows like Quantum Leap, et cetera. You, you, did you ever watch Billions? I haven't yet. Okay. Um, you I'm told gonna, me to watch it when I, it was I, the first, you know, first, first couple season. The first two seasons are great. Yeah. The first two seasons are the modern version of Atlas Shrugged. That's really what it is. Because the, the current um, season with this new guy. Well, yes, it seems but, to be just big you, government I'm, propaganda. Well, there's that, but it's so Paul Giamatti plays now. He plays the attorney general of the United States. And he's a and hero he's, now. He's a hero now, isn't the he? state. Well, well, right. So he's standing on cars and demanding justice. OK, but but I'm going to tell you this fact set. And this is why I think that the show is, has lost me because uh, there's so much missed on. I actually would have liked to have talked to Professor Volokh about some of this stuff about the, because there are legal issues that are involved. So the attorney general, the, Paul Giamatti's character has bought a farm in the Hudson Valley and his adjacent neighbor, I, oh, by the way, there are going to be spoilers here. The adjacent neighbor has six cannon, six old ancient revolutionary war era cannon that he fires twice a day, morning and night. <laughs> And Paul Giamatti doesn't like this. <laughs> Why? Because of the noise? Because of uh, the noise. And it right, not because, it Texas not because, you know, cannons are, you know, you know he, he bought, weapons of he war. Bought, and this he is bought a, this property. Well, no, when he gets to that. And so the attorney general of New York, after he goes and tries to get his neighbor to try to shut this down, not only does he then go, and remember, he's just bought this farm in the Hudson Valley. He then goes and enlists the entire town to try to petition this guy to stop. This guy is a good member of the community. He buys equipment for the local fire department. He's donated other things to the community. So he's really being a good neighbor. All Paul Giamatti brings is his, his uh, rabble rousing skills. Paul Giamatti brings out a naturalist to the property because he's upstream from the guy. And, and, um, and the naturalist doesn't find any evidence of anything endangered. Right. And you see him pull out the textbook. He goes out with the naturalist, trespasses on this guy's property, kicks off. There is no endangered species. But then, Jerry, suddenly, after he promises a nice donation to the professor, the attorney general of New York, magically, the 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 cannon owner's property is now found to be habitat for an endangered bog turtle. And they're now not only demanding that or, or the, the government is now insisting that he no longer fire the cannon they are confiscating the cannon. And I, and I sat there and I watched this and I got really, I got really angry about this. I, there's so much wrong with this story in which you're right. Paul Giamatti is being painted as the hero, but all he is, is an authoritarian interloper who bought a piece of property without, uh, without his due diligence, without knowing that his neighbor fires off a cannon and rather than just lump it and sell the property and get the hell out of the community, he brings the full weight of the government of the state of New York to seize this guy's property, to trespass and seize this guy's property. But I, I just I, I and the show depicts the Giamatti Giamatti character as good. 
Like this is a good thing yeah, that he's doing. Yes. The yes, way you just explained just, it, it seems that he's a bully and a jerk. I yes. Well, at least that's the, my perception of this. But the show is painting him to be uh, the good guy because Michael McKean is just a rich old white guy who is showing his privilege by firing off his cannon twice a day. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. and he's a big Second Amendment nut. And there's this and there's that. Yeah. That and it's like yeah. Well, so yeah, I brought the show to us now. My, my point is, my yes. point, my point what is, is this. What is your point? My point is, my point is that that the that we have these laws that are written in such a way that these agents of government can abuse them, sure. and we're now at a point and, and in which popular media. Hold groups. on, we're now at a point. We're now at a point in which popular media is portraying these agents of the state these authoritarian agents anyway, of the state as heroes not, for doing this, this is not a sudden thing hollywood for years has uh has deemed the government uh, attorney going after chemical companies and pharmaceutical when was the last movie when the chemical company is the hero or the pharmaceutical company uh saves the day it, it, you know the, the defense contractor uh, is a good guy. It, it doesn't exist. It never happened. Oh, Hollywood has been on. Hollywood has been anti corporate. And again, and 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 oh. I don't nowadays. I don't care so much because corporations uh, have uh, been swallowed up by the left. Uh, I, I complained to you earlier today that yes. I'm watching Roku and Roku. There's a Walmart commercial, uh, and then there's another commercial for a gaming system that uh, that has. Um, that has uh, alternative lifestyle uh, families. And again, in adult conversation, adult company, people could live their lives the way they want to. Uh, but I'm teaching my children certain values, and I can't even put my kid in front of a cartoon a show for a child without big corporation trying to brainwash my child into believing uh, uh, something that is contrary to the values I'm teaching my child. Well, it's right, well, listen, it's right, everywhere. I mean, it, it gets to the, the level of ridiculousness. So right now there is the Disney discussion, for instance, of uh, this remake of the Snow White and the Seven. I Wolves. know. So ridiculous. And, but, but, but right. But this is, the, you know, we would have said, excuse me, we would have said years ago, that this is that this is ridiculousness. This would have been considered parody. What is the right? actor? Been what, what is the actor's name? Who's complaining? Peter, Peter Dinklage, right, who happens to be a dwarf. Yes, a little. Person. And now he's complaining that there might be dwarfs in the remake of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Well, I mean, uh, you know, and and it's uh, and we can sort of pull this up. Do dwarfs not exist? Yes, but I. Uh, but they shouldn't be depicted in media in any in, in any manner. I don't again. I don't understand his complaint. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Um, his complaint is is that the dwarfs are going to be dwarfs, which to me is it, again. It, it's it's just, what he's saying is that it's a backwards story, right? Which is you know he writes uh, literally no offense to anyone, but I was a little taken aback. They were very proud to cast a Latina actress as Snow White. But you're still telling the story of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Take a step back and look at what you're doing here. You know it makes no sense to me. But, and then I want to talk again, about but in no in way, but in no that's... way are the dwarf characters depicted as uh, uh, as, as 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 they're not objectified. They're not they're not dehumanized. 
there's seven individuals who support out, and I mean, love the, 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 the Snow White character. Well, you know, let's 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 remember that they are all some kind of an archetype, right? Dopey, grumpy, bashful doc. Yeah, and that's and that's called storytelling. And, and I mean, and, uh, of and, 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 and all and all major stories. But and remember, the bottom line here is, is that they are all hardworking and helpful. All they want to do is save and protect Snow White. And that's a truly noble thing. And it's a story in the end about the nobility of uh, these of, men, uh, yes. whether they're yes. dwarfs or not. That's exactly and, it. And again, so I, again, because I don't understand what he's complaining about. He's complaining about that. The 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 the, the fairy tale itself uh, is something that should just go by the wayside. Listen, I, I'm, I'm pulling I'm pulling this. I'm going to oh, hold on. Open There's this. a remake of, of okay. Snow White where um, she is a warrior a warrior princess and yeah. the dwarfs are warriors that, that, yes. that come and sacrifice their lives. I mean, is, is he saying that we should no longer tell this story because there's dwarfs in it? Yeah. Oh, yes. Apparently that's exactly what he's saying. Listen, I'm going to, I'm well, he's going an idiot to, then Jerry, I'm going to offer up let, the, let, the immortal. Let, hold on. I'm going to offer up the immortal words of Jedediah Springfield. A noble spirit embiggens the smallest man. Which is truly the essence of the Snow White. I mean, story. it'd be one thing if it was a story that somehow objectified uh, and delegitimized and and dehumanized sure. uh, 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 dwarfs. That's not what this story does. It's just no. it's it's a, it's a stupid complaint, and someone should have had the balls to tell him you're an idiot. Cojones, cojones, yeah. Gary. Remember, it's a, you know we're a family friendly show. But you know, I, let, let's go back again. I want to bottom line what um. Professor Volok said what he said, and that is uh, even where there aren't constitutional protections and or restrictions, uh, it's the spirit of free speech. Yes, uh, that should govern. And I can I can say, you know, we, there are not many conclusions uh, from this show. We're not we haven't solved anything in terms of the social media uh, social media uh, problems with censorship. But I tell you how we can save free well, speech. Well, right. The, okay, the, OK. And the then, show yes. is. Well, yeah. The Andrew and Jerry say free speech, yeah. um, uh, and, and, and that's this way. And that is the spirit of free speech, the idea of it, the principle of free speech well, should be governing what's happening at Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and the rest. But, you know, it's funny because you started off the show by saying, well, we really, you know, we haven't saved anything yet. The, the reality is, is that the saving of the world is an ongoing process, right? It's it, <laughs> listen, if there's anything the MCU has taught us over the last 15 years, Jerry, is that it is that it is that, you know, you have to, you have to step up there and save the world. Andrew, where, where, where I'm not, I'm not sure if the world can be saved well, we're okay. at that point, but, but, but I think the, we're in the end of the, at, yeah, I have a question to, for you. I have a legit question. No, 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 no. Before you get to ask this question. question. Okay. I got to ask you. <laughs> So, so Eric and I had a long conversation earlier today, right? There was this, um, there was this in instance in school where the school teachers were, um, uh, were uh, recruiting a, uh, a girl, I think it was a girl, uh, to become transgendered. Yes. And they changed her name and they had all kinds of counseling and they gave her books. Uh, they literally were, were recruiting her and they warned her, don't tell your parents and all the rest of it. And and um, and I said to her, this is why uh, Christians, people of faith should not be sending their kids to public school, because this isn't just that school. This is in schools everywhere. Public schools want to indoctrinate, period. And so therefore, people of faith, if they're indoctrinating your child to a certain faith that's contrary to your faith, you have an obligation to pull your kids out. I, I, listen, I agree but, with but, that. But, if, but here's yeah. the question to you. Yeah. Um, 
should people of faith begin to just simply withdraw and we should open and we should have our own communities, our own communities of social media, of, of so schools, gets into of, the, of this, commerce, et cetera. This gets into the, well, first of all, right. I mean, the, part of it gets into the great commission, Jerry, right. Which is, you know, we are, we are called upon yeah, to but never say the great commission is not to save the culture. It's to save individuals. Christians in particular can withdraw from society, from the culture uh, and, and, and develop its own culture separate from like the Amish. Well, right? I'm not listening. I, yeah, but I'm not. But right. I mean, but you look at you look at the Amish and you look at you look at um, uh, the various Hasidic communities, both in New York City and then and then upstate. Yeah. Not that I consider Rockland County to be upstate, but up in Rockland <laughs> Anything County. above the Bronx is upstate, yes, my friend. I understand. No, Westchester County is not Yonkers upstate. is upstate to me. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> no, anyway. yeah. When I was a kid, when I was a kid, I understand. We went to my cousin's house in Yonkers. My father would say we're going upstate. It's funny you say that because when we lived in Westchester, when we go, would go across Westchester's the upstate, Rockland, my friend, Rockland County, Rockland County is not upstate. I don't even think when I would go to Boy Scout camp up in Dutchess County, I didn't consider Dutchess County. Oh, West, I Westchester County is absolutely. Upstate. I consider any. I think consider upstate anything north of anything north of Dutchess County. Anything okay. north of Van Cortland Park is a, yeah, <laughs> yes. And I'm gonna. Well, I'll pull up the map in a second and show you. No, Jerry, listen, I'm, I'm not a. I, I'm not a fan of. I'm not a fan. Of I'm this. not saying we should do it. It's a question but I, I raised. I'm not with a my fan. But today. but this. But listen, this gets into my 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 point about about the um the conversation <laughs> with Eugene Volokh, which is, yeah. listen, what it did help is it it certainly helped me. I don't know if it helped you further crystallize your views on this, right? If, the, the, if we're gonna if we're gonna work to save the world right and i know that's a big lofty uh no, but, yeah. but right. my point is if we're going to for instance work on the issue if i'm going to speak out on this issue um and i want to because i think we, something we needs have to, to know said. the facts we having have to know a better that, understanding yeah. of the law and going to someone whose legal scholarship i respect um and i do you know i, I don't talk you know i more normally want to talk I, about legal scholarship i spend a lot of time hold on talking about john jonathan turley but I read the Vola conspiracy because I, 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 I appreciate, I don't always agree with, but I would say three times out of four, four times out of five, right. I will agree with what the author of something at the Vola conspiracy, you know, listen, I will say uh, our, our good friend, I meant to mention this to Professor Vola, our, our old friend and colleague, Jonathan Adler is one of the writers at the Vola conspiracy. So is, I uh, know Ilya, so is Steve Hayward, Ilya Shapiro. I mean, all these yeah, guys. Yeah. So, um, um, but let me, let me throw ahead. this at you, though, because I, I get what you're saying. Um, we uh, um, what he's presenting is this is what you have to consider and know and how if you want to make these reforms, uh, how to do it. He's playing by the rules, yeah. the rules of the of law, the rules of of the Constitution, the rules of scholarship. The problem is the left doesn't play by the rules. And I give you an example. I wanted to ask him this, but we didn't get a, get a chance to. In the recent Supreme Court decision uh, on the vaccine mandate, right, uh, the court came six to three, saying that the private sector, the private sector mandate was unconstitutional. Uh, ironically, it, it, you know, part of that was because it was an emergency order, and OSHA can't make emergency orders. What's OSHA doing right now? It's withdrawn the mandate, and they're rewriting it. Not as an emergency order. No, no. So we're going to be. Go through the, the so we're going to go back to the process. court again soon. But yeah. and again, I, and I said this on the on the show when we were talking about the 
uh, the Supreme Court, I said that to me, the, the more problematic part of this case was the CMS mandate. Absolutely. And 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 the, and the court five to four uh, ruled. Right. Uh, the the opinion was that the the 10 million healthcare workers can be forced uh, into a man into a vaccine mandate uh, because Medicaid uh, funding and the yeah. government's uh, the government's uh, 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 regulatory administrative control over Medicaid uh, and 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 uh, and how and and again, how the court five Supreme Court justices literally ignored the law to rule that the mandate was constitutional. So my point is, is that the left continues to win because it ignores the law. It's untethered from the law. And we have we have conversations like this where we're talking about the 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 the, 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 the different degrees of this. And uh, uh, is is it a common carrier or should it be a Jerry, the question is, remember how he, he rightly he rightfully corrected me when he said is or should be. See, we have and this goes to your dad, well, your, your dad's your dad's um, uh, constructive criticism of, of our conversations. And that is sometimes yeah. we're just we're just so so uh, preoccupied with getting it right. We're just losing all the battles. Well, no. And I and I understand that. I mean, yes, this is this is listen. And it gets to everything that we have been talking about on this show, whether or not it has to do directly with the speech issues or these other issues that are involved. You know, it, it very much is as as these issues get chipped away at over time, as uh, the other side is looking at a long ball game. Yep. Right. They're looking and down winning. the road. Um at this so it you know it you know it we you know we we seem to we seem to be losing these things now i listen i go back i go back and forth because there are battles that we have won and interestingly enough on this one and we didn't get into the whole net neutrality side of things you know this issue of net neutrality is one that has gone back and forth over the years um and and eventually if the left it succeeds at chipping away at the courts if they succeed in packing the courts you know, that's a battle that we're going to lose, right? We, we won the filibuster fight last week, but that doesn't mean, you know, that this isn't their goal down the road that we're going to, sure. you know, we're not going to win it down the road, Jerry, but listen, because we, I want to, I want to shift gears a little bit because we didn't talk about this at the opening of the show. As we're talking about these issues, as we're talking about the speech issues and the back and forth, because it does get into the issue of deplatforming um, this insane and I gotta say, this insane call by Neil Young, right, to, <laughs> yes. to, to, to demand that Spotify remove the Joe Rogan show. He can, or, yeah, yeah. The rock and roller who for uh, for uh, 30, 40 years, 50 years, has been uh, talking about government power and to resist the government uh, uh, and resist the you know resist the establishment is now. Uh, saying to comply with the government, uh, comply with the uh, with the establishment, conform, and if you don't conform, uh, you take my music off. Yeah, here, here, I'm gonna I'm gonna share a series of tweets that I put up yesterday. You know, first, first there was this one, um, Neil Young, more like Neil Young. <laughs> very, 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 very smart, very smart. Uh, <laughs> very and then I rewrote. Uh, and- and then I rewrote uh, um, uh, the lyrics to uh, um, to Ohio. Oh no, that's that's uh, that's not the Ohio one. That's the other one. Oh, good lord! And I lose it. There we go. 
to Ohio. Tin soldiers and Biden's coming. You better put on that mask. Don't question the latest science. Just shut up and get your vax. <laughs> Got to get used to it. Science is religion now. Don't question faith anymore. What if you knew truth and tried to say it out loud? How can you speak when you're gagged? Yeah, it's uh, again the the the, the I wrote Neil that. Young. I wrote all, that. All my all my buddies uh, who are a little older than me. Uh, Erica's uh, brother-in-law is uh, in his sixties. My my buddy Jim uh, is is uh, whose birthday was yesterday. Uh, he just turned sixty-seven. All my buddies who are former hippies. Uh, and part of the reason why a guy like oh, my, my buddy yes. Jim liked rock and roll so much was because it was anti-establishment. It was pushing Absolutely. back on conformity. And here you have Neil Young, right? One of the one of the greatest protest artists uh, in, in rock and roll history is now trying to get Joe Rogan removed from Spotify because Joe Rogan uh, isn't uh, promoting uh, the uh, the government line on an issue. Remember, too, Joe Rogan doesn't do show after show after show on vaccines and on COVID. Yeah. I mean, I, I just listened to his uh, his show yesterday. He has uh, Jim uh, Gaffigan, Gaffigan, Gaffigan. Yeah, sure. Gaffigan. What's his name? The, the, yeah, the, the, the comedian on it, however you say his name. And they don't talk about COVID. They talk about George Carlin, uh, stand up. They talk about um, they talk about comedy. And again, the, you know, so Rogan does does tens of thousands of hours of shows yeah neil young doesn't like one of the shows and so now he wants rogan off well yeah and and it's it's interesting because you you talked about this the anti-establishmentarian side yeah. of this here's, here's where i come down right i i don't i don't get i don't get truly vexed i found it funny um and and so i i wrote my little my little parody i uh, i get vexed i get vexed over it because well, you know, rolling stone wrote like, the article it's like it's like, it's like the same sorry go ahead but rolling stone wrote the article uh, uh talking about it right rolling stone, again there's a whole history of rolling stone getting getting things wrong right yes um uh but also rolling stone a great anti-establishment uh, anti-establishment sure. publication uh but and more recently has become so woke and so political it, it doesn't it's not the same magazine it once was however this is what Rolling Stone gets wrong. Neil Young doesn't even yes. own fifty percent of his own catalog. Yes, so he has no right. He has no right to call for it to be taken down from Spotify. You think Rolling Stone, when they were writing about the issue, would have known that? And and it's not like it's ancient news. It's literally we're just coming up on the one year anniversary yes. of, of of him doing that. But my <laughs> my point is this: it's the same. It's the same reason why because I'm 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 a member of a of a bunch of you know, classic rock pages and, and um, you know, cause I like talking about these things and, and having discussions. So, you know, there's a, a, a fan page dedicated to uh, WNEW, which was a big yes. classic rock station in New York. And the guy who's the admin of that page, he's just a real. Uh, 102.6. Anyway. 102.6. 102.7. 102.7. Ah! 102.7. Yeah. So when we, um, when we used to go to, we used to go to Westchester upstate, I would yeah, listen to it in the car. There you go. <laughs> yes. it, now, now essentially it's been replaced by Q1043. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, the yeah. point is, the point is that, that, you know, <laughs> there, there, the, there are people on that page and they're elsewhere who are apoplectic. They're just, they're in, they've gone themselves insane over, uh, over Eric Clapton's doubling down on, on, you know, what Eric Clapton has said about vaccinations yeah, 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 yeah. and, and it's a whole thing. And it's easy. Like, he's a demagogue now, not, not God any longer. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Or, you know, I, I mean, uh, Van Morrison, same thing. 
yeah. uh, though Van Morrison has been nearly as vocal as as uh, as as Clapton has. And it's like, again, I don't go to, you know, guys like Neil Young, you know, for my for certainly for, for my virtue signaling, you know, how to be signaled at uh, in terms of these things. Um so you know it's 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 uh, it's crazy. But again, all all these all these woke uh, uh, members of these rock and roll. This is this is the this is anti rock and roll. Yes, right. This is not rock and roll. And also, I'll say this, and you probably disagree with me. I think Neil Young stinks anyway. I I, I, I think I, I oh, he his voice <laughs> is screechy. I've always uh, his, loved Neil Young. Um, I, I've never Listen, liked him. I will and now say I have, this. Now, now I have reason to to, 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 to dislike him. Even I will more. say this. Um, a, I've, I've, I've been a fan of Neil Young. Southern man. He can't even sing. Yeah, but that's never, but he, but he oh, plays a mean guitar and he writes, he, he, he's guitar. a great lyricist. I will say this much. Uh, and I, this, <laughs> this, is, this is true. Uh, after 9-11, um, uh, it's actually tying it all together. After 9-11, I was listening to Pete Fornatel who used to be on yeah, yeah. W yeah. now on Fordham, or at least at the time was on Fordham university radio WFUV. And uh, he played Neil Young's um, don't let it bring you down, which is, and, and that song made me feel better about the world. Um, don't, don't let it bring you down. It's only castles burning. Uh, um, it goes on from there, so, but you know, but listen again, I know Neil Young, not everybody's taste. I happen to like Neil Young's music, but I'm able to separate not, more to the point. I'm able to separate Neil Young's yeah, music well. from who he is, but also yes, well, you have Neil to, Young's you, you can't, you, you can't like rock and roll uh, like guys like us. We, we wouldn't even listen to rock and roll music if we allowed the politics to color what we like and dislike. To an extent, right? I mean, right. If it's the music of rebellion, if it's the music of angst, you know, there's there you can still be drawn to those kinds of things, but I think it's hard for someone to say that they are a political rebel in their 70s right. when they sell their music catalog for 150 million dollars, right? And and you know, and and so and this person is going to sit here and lecture to me uh, about about my life and how I ought to live my life. Um, he, he, here's the here again. I'm the bottom line guy. The bottom line yeah. on Neil Young is is that. Uh, the Rolling Stones should have done their homework and understood that his catalog had been sold, that he had no right to call yeah. for his music to be pulled off. Number one, number two, someone should have pointed out that the rock and roller, the anti-establishment rock and roller who who questioned the government and the government line is now now wants to harm uh, those uh, uh, you know entertainers and celebrities and artists uh, for being contrarian. Uh, and then and then lastly, uh, Neil Neil Young's music is a big old stinko, and I tell you why because <laughs> because the definition of good rock and roll uh, was uh, is from the Fonz, and the Fonz said that rock and roll music, good rock and roll music, should want to make you get, go to the parking lot and beat somebody up. Neil Young, oh. his his music makes you want to slit your wrist. That's not true. I I, I disagree wholeheartedly. You disagree with the Fonz with, with the Fonz. I disagree with no, I don't disagree with the Fonz definition. I disagree with your perception of Neil Young's music. I'm sorry. You go back and you listen Neil's to Neil's young of, music makes of, you want to beat up Neil Young. A lot of what Buffalo spoke, a lot of what Neil Young wrote for Buffalo Springfield is pure rock music and his songs that he wrote for Crosby Stills Nash and Young. Good another, solid another, rock. another another musical act that I have no use for. Yeah, well, there you go. Yes, and I know you and I disagree vehemently over that. Listen, <laughs> before we go, guys, Jerry, because we're we really are running out of time here. Oh my goodness. Uh, yes. Before we go. 
Um, a couple of things, uh, housekeeping. Um, we can still say that word while we can still say that word. Uh, so we need you to, if you listen to the show, we need you to subscribe, whatever platform you listen to. Uh, we need you to uh, recommend it to your friends uh, and we need you to write reviews. Um, that's how we, that's how we get noticed. Uh, we know you're, you're all out there and depending on whatever platforms you're listening on though, once again, if you listen on your Amazon Alexa, um, cause otherwise she'll hear me, uh, you know, the, I don't think you can subscribe there, but please let folks know that you can watch there now next week. Uh, Jerry and I are going to do a show, I think, live in studio together. Excellent. Uh, it will be, uh, it, whether it's the main show or a bonus show, we are going to do something that's interactive, uh, where we'll pick a topic, whether it's music or TV or movies or something on, on that uh, order, and we're going to want you to participate uh, in it. So, uh, yes. so we'll figure, figure out a way to, to, to do that. Uh, so tune in. Uh, Jerry, uh, please uh, let us know what people ought to be doing uh, with their lives uh, in terms of our sign-off. <laughs> well, it's easy, right? <laughs> Find the truth, plant your feet there, and stand firm. And have a uh, have a, a great week, everybody. And please uh, stay safe.